You're listening to Music Tectonics. Welcome back to Music Tectonics, where we go beneath the surface of music and tech. I'm your host, Dimitri Pizza. I'm also the founder and CEO of Rock, Paper, Scissors, a PR firm that specializes in music and technology. And those of you who listen to us regularly know that we also have a conference called the Music Tectonics Conference, which is taking place online October 25th through 27th and in person in LA on November 2nd. And when we were first selecting where to hold our conference in 2019, our, our debut conference, we looked across the entire solar system to see what else was already out there and where there might be a good spot to have a conference. And we landed on Los Angeles. Um, and that's significant um, because sometimes you find a spot before you find the people and somebody shows up and you're like, wait a second, this guy is a star of music tech. See, we're doing a mini series of the stars of the 2021 Music Tectonics Conference. These are music tech stars in their own right, but they're also star sponsors of this year's edition of the conference. We attract some of the most forward-thinking movers and shakers who are hardcore supporters of the network that gathers at Music Tectonics. And you'll get to meet today's guests at the conference. Stay tuned to this whole episode because in the second half we've got Juan Torres from Prism.fm talking about the live side of music. Now for our first guest, Zach Zalin, the CEO of Super Hi-Fi. Zach, how's it going? It's going great, man. How are you? I'm great, and I'm super excited that you're coming back to Music Tectonics. You've been egging me along from from as soon as you showed up at the first one. And uh, just for anyone who hasn't uh, listened to the previous episodes, you should go back and, and listen to Zach's interviews. He's got so many insights to offer. Um, but Super Hi-Fi offers an artificial intelligence-driven cloud-based solution that connects directly with music services, delivering real-time instructions on song placement, volume level, and so much more. Each transition is uniquely programmed for that specific pairing, whether it's song to song, song to advertisement, song to content, or any other combination. And uh, Zach is a regular at industry conferences. Go back and listen to the podcast. You'll get the full deal um, in the episodes we did with him. But this is our chance to hear kind of uh, your perspective, Zach, on what's been happening in music tech in 2021. I love your perspective on, on big picture stuff. It's why I love having you on the podcast. I guess I'll just jump in and ask you a few things. Um, it's kind of a stream of questions. You can answer any of all of them. But how would love you describe... <laughs> Thanks. Uh, how would you describe this moment in time in the world where music and technology intersect? Uh, where have we been? since the last Tectonics conference a year ago in October? Where are we now? Tell us what trends and influences are the strongest in our world of music tech. So my perspective is, is that, A, we are roaring as an industry. So digital music is obviously the, the primary form of music consumption at this point, right? Record labels make most of their revenue from, from uh, digital music experiences. Digital music itself has become a business. You know, both Spotify has shown that you could do this as a standalone and companies like Apple and Amazon, the larger companies have shown you can use this as kind of an adjunct service to drive services revenue. And the independent services are showing that you could still carve your own niche and, and have that be a profitable venture. But at the same time that things are roaring, we're also at an inflection point. And we're at an inflection point because I think the best way to put it is, is like, if the first three innings were the past 15 or 20 years of getting up to speed, getting everybody comfortable with what digital music was, creating business models around it that made sense, the next inning is the one now where things really start to transition and the older models of delivering content and experiencing or consuming content are going to start to fade away very, very quickly. 
Um, some of this was just what was going to happen anyway, but some of it was really accelerated by the lockdown and the pandemic. And I think you can see that across video, obviously. That's a very obvious one, right? With mm-hmm. everybody clamoring to create video services from Peacock and Disney to Hulu and and Apple and Netflix and, um, and music. And the, the amount of music con- consumption has consistently increased. And the need now to create unique and differentiated services for consumers is starting to finally bubble over. And we're seeing that in interesting moves that lots of digital music services are starting to make in the, in the landscape. So you're saying the, 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 you're going to start to see more in the differences between, say, a Spotify and an Apple and a Tidal and an Amazon Music and so forth. Yeah, a- absolutely. You kind of have to. So here, I have a couple of stats that are sitting on my desk that I'm going to share. Hmm. Um, the first... So right now, Goldman Sachs says that we have about $17 billion of global digital music revenues this year. They think that by 2030, that'll grow to $37 billion. That's nine years to basically more than double in terms of revenue. That's a tremendous potential for growth that companies are, start, are trying to figure out how they get, how they get at. Mm-hmm. Um, you look at things like the GCA Global Audio Sector Report. GCA is a really great investment bank. They do a lot of work with, with digital music services. They, they, they indicate that just replatforming is going to double the total addressable market for digital music services. So by replatforming, that's a combination of people who no longer listen to AM, FM radio and start to listen to digital versions or equivalents of them. People who have listened to things like records or CDs and are still moving towards services like Spotify or Deezer or Apple or any of the others. Those replatforming elements alone will drive more revenue. Not, not, and that does not even take into consideration that that these companies are doing a better and better job of figuring out how to drive more engagement from the customers that they already have. So, digital music is going to play an increasingly significant role in the lives of consumers around the globe over the next decade. And services know that they need to figure out how to get on board that that growth, or else they're going to be left behind. Mm. So interesting in this perspective of, of kind of like t- stepping back and seeing where things are, where they're going. No mention of TikTok here. No mention of social video, uh, gaming, and and so forth. You're you've really got a, a a bird's eye view on what's happening on the music streaming side. I'm curious if those growth numbers are including uh, these other opportunities where music's getting monetized. They are, and I'll I'll be honest. I'm totally biased towards the world of on-demand access and streaming, and not the social music experience. And that's because that's where our experience is. That's where our passion is. And honestly, that's what we built the business around our business, Super Hi-Fi, around helping to accelerate. There is a massive role, obviously, for social music experiences. And as I watch my kids who are who are fairly young, you know, TikTok, that's a big, big part of how they consume and learn about music. But what is interesting is that when they learn about music through those sources, they still go to a digital music service that uh, where they can access the song in its entirety and listen to it. And so what they've created is this kind of this nice synergistic relationship between introductory services, which things like TikTok are. And by the way, I should say things like Marvel are, right? Like my youngest Mm. is 12 years old. She watches a Marvel movie. And if there's music in the Marvel movie, boom, she's going and she's listening to that on uh, Spotify or Apple or one of the other services we subscribe to here. Um, but yeah, no doubt. So social is going to continue to increase. And I would guess that TikTok is is going to continue to dominate that for quite some time. What what I really hear you saying, though, in a, in a bigger uh, picture is, is that there's a maturity happening where some things are starting to shift as a result. You mentioned differentiation between the streaming services as one of those things. And this role where streaming services aren't necessarily the the 
end all be well they might be the end all but they're not the be all of music that people are discovering music elsewhere and then they go and they search and and consume it or listen more deeply through those celestial jukeboxes that that's right i i I think it kind of becomes like first they graze around things like tiktok and they're introduced to content with catchy funny videos that they connect with then if they're interested in that content they'll go and they'll actually look for it on one of the on-demand services and then if they really like that, they may look for lean back experiences that they can listen to while they're doing something else that reflect their musical tastes. And so there's a world in which, and I think a very valuable world in the near future, in which all of those models work really, really well. And they're super complementary to each other, not necessarily competitive. Yeah, got it. So as my co-host, or as, like, as she likes to call it, our irregular host, Tristra likes to say, let's get sci-fi now. When you imagine an ideal near future music industry, what do you see? Where is this going? Um, well, so it's still going to be pretty bifurcated in its experiences. You know, like I, I had read this, sto- this, uh, this report, I guess it was sometime over the weekend, that AM FM radio is still a massive driver AM, FM, terrestrial radio, like in a car, is still a massive driver of usage. There's something like 150 million U.S. adults every week are tuning in to terrestrial radio. Uh, at some point, broadcast radio is going to go away. Okay, the, 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 the techniques of broadcast radio and the companies that power it may not, but the technology by which they deliver to the car will. But what it shows right now is there's still a ton of people that are looking for set it and forget it radio experiences. Mm. Now, let's just say for the sake of this, for argument, I don't know with this at all, but let's say half of that is news and talk and sports. Maybe it's even more than that. Um, And it probably is, right? It's got to be a ton of that stuff. But that still means there's 75 million consumers that are listening to music through the broadcast dial every week. And those 75 million consumers are going to have to go somewhere. So, I can't tell you what things are going to look like in 20 years. I think it's probably almost unknowable, right? 10 years ago, we could never have guessed TikTok would exist. But I do think in the next decade, what's going to end up happening is, is that you are going to have a lot of these service types that are going to kind of codify in people's lives, right? So in 10 years, my 12-year-old will be 22. I don't know if she'll still be looking at TikTok or an equivalent to TikTok then, but the music that she is embedding in her brain right now is still going to be really important to her for the rest of of her life. And she's going to want a place to be able to get that. And so I can certainly see on-demand and lean-back services still playing a, meaningful, playing a meaningful role in people's lives. I just think it'll be more seamless. They'll access it anywhere, right? I think that 5G and the proliferation of broader and more reliable bandwidth services are going to continue. And you know her preferences, they're going to start getting embedded better in the databases that deliver the music. And then the final piece, and this is really self-serving, is that the music experiences themselves will be tailored for what she likes. Mm -hmm. And those experiences, it's not just what music is selected, but how that music comes to life. Will it be threaded with podcast snippets? Will there be voices that narrate the experience like a storytelling device rather than just a music playlist? Will everything transition together the right way and be fully produced or not? There are some people that won't want that. There are some people that won't listen to music without it. What will end up happening is is that what we have today will likely just mature into something much more robust and more concrete in terms of how it influences people's lives. But once you look out past 10 years, man, it's very unlikely that I'm going to get any of that right because I think (laughs) things will surprise all of us. Um, I don't know what it's going to be, whether it's some sort of microchip implanted in our head that allows us to hear music without streaming or whether it's just a different form of social media than TikTok, something we can't yet dream up. 
that will transform the way that we interact with the music that we love. But some things won't change. I mean, some radio hasn't changed in in 60 years in some respects. And there's a reason why. It's because people like it. Man, this is why I love talking to you, Zach. My synapses are like firing all over my brain. And uh, I, as you, you were talking about 5G and how, you know, music's going to be adaptive uh, to particular or, or the listening experience is going to be adapted to some, someone's particular preferences. I was just for some reason right in front of me, I was staring at my um, computer charger, the, the, the adapter that plugs into the wall. So as we were talking about adapting, I was looking at my adapter. and I was like, you know what he's saying? He's saying there's going to be a radio inside that adapter. There's going to be a radio inside everything in my room right here that's going to provide spatial audio around me physically like it's not going to have to be like simulated in headphones it's literally going to surround me and they're going it, to it's going to know what podcast news sports music all combination and serve it up to me but i was just picturing <laughs> picturing that kind of experience when you said well we can't know what's going to happen in 20 years but you mentioned 5g and i'm like wait it's going to be like when amazon had those little buttons that you could put on your dryer to order your detergent it's going to listening is going to feel like micro electronics like that dude it might and let me tell you man I, 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 so this this apple announcement of lossless and atmos music capability. Yeah. I don't know how many of your listeners have really dug into what that means. You know, at first it's like, all right, lossless audio is great, but you know, 99% of people that we've polled in the past when we do blind listening tests between codecs, the, you know, compression that's down to 128K and lossless FLAC files, 99% of people can't hear a difference. And I'm not even sure if the 1% who can really hear it are accurate any more than, you know, the flip of a coin. But what it does actually show is first, Apple waited until 5G was out there broadly enough to be able to access lossless content when you're on the go. But I think the Atmos thing is actually bigger than it seems at first. I think they may have just changed the game to, to some extent because we've always known that lossless is a great marketing tool, but not actually a reason why people buy. So let me just say that again. People are super attracted to lossless as a concept, but that's not actually why they pull their wallet out of the, or their credit card out of their wallet. It's just never been an actual driver of listening. And, and that's why the services that have focused on nothing but high, high quality haven't actually done all that well, because it's actually not an interesting marketing, um, buying, uh, purchasing driver. But Atmos actually might be, because it actually kind of transforms the experience that you can have with the music. And what I thought was so clever is that Apple waited until they had millions and millions of headphones out there that were fully compatible with spatial audio before they even turned spatial audio on. Mm. Like I had AirPod Pros for the past year and a half, and then suddenly one day it supports spatial audio. And then suddenly a few months later, they release Atmos Music for free. And it's like, you know what? It's effing cool. Um, and, and I think it just changes everything just a little bit more than it has been. And I think that's my, to my point earlier about differentiation is it's like all the services are the same. They have the same music, same catalog, same sound quality, same price, same playlists. At what point are you choosing one over the other? There has to be something that differentiates them from each other to attract the customer that's right for them and that these services can build a really deep and emotional relationship with. I think that Atmos might actually be part of that. And so that's just to your broader question about what are things going to look like in the future. It's funny. I think today is the future relative to just two or three months ago mm -hmm. because of that one announcement. And I'm super excited actually as a passionate music fan and tech fan to see where that drives all the other services to be more competitive. 
Yeah, I, I, I went in and, and re, re-upped my Apple subscription to test it all out. And I, I want more content, you know, like to really experience the, the, the AirPad Pros, I want more content. So now creators have to go out, producers, creators, artists, bands all have to go out now and um, and now make that that use of that new creative tool you know, useful so that we can all experience it. So we can turn our heads and, and listen to the drums or, or whatever it is in the end. So that's cool. That's, that's exactly right. And, and by the way, this is another, it's an interesting thing. You know, all headphones will be compatible with spatial audio. Like they'll be able to do an approximation of Dolby Atmos when you're listening to it, but none of them actually have the accelerometer and positional locators that Apple has between their devices. So You'll be able to get Atmos in any headphones, and that's great. But I really have to applaud what Apple did in terms of really upping the game because you're right. If you could turn your head the other direction and hear mostly the drummer, it's just it's just totally game-changing. I mean, maybe it gets hokey after a little while, but I don't know, man. I think I think kind of the concept of environmental music experiences is, is really very untapped, and I'm interested in seeing where it goes. Yeah, me too. I'm 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 super um already pumped when you watch a movie that has it because then it actually does you you have your vision connects with the with the movement of your head too. So, um you really get something there. Anyway, this is super fun. You know, as we wrap up this speed round, Zach, I'm curious, what keeps bringing you back to Music Tectonics the conference and what are you hoping to get out of it this year? Well, so I think there's two things. I mean, one is just the general desire to participate in and support uh a something that is so specifically dedicated to promoting and enhancing the very industry that I've dedicated my career to, right? Digital music, period. The technology and listening experiences behind behind consumer music services. So that's the first thing. It's just there's, there's very few, if any, other um, conferences that are so specifically dedicated towards all of our collective success. So, you know, that's the first thing. The second thing is, is the self-serving part, which is, look, we are a company that's, we're not just a technology company, but we're also a company with a purpose. We believe that the entire industry will grow and that consumers will be happier with their services of choice if these, these companies can create differentiating sounding experiences. And so, yeah, our technology is AI, our technology is designed for listening experiences, but it's the why behind it that's so important to us. Like, we want to help these services to be more successful in differentiating themselves from others and in creating great experiences for their listeners. And honestly, Music Tectonics is an incredible place for us to meet people from both sides of that equation. We can meet artists who are actually kind of interested in it, which I think is super cool, and talk to them more about what their goals and dreams are for being able to manage their own careers in the future. And more importantly for us, we can meet with the very services that we are looking to power over time and just continue to promote ourselves in, in a landscape that we think is rapidly growing and that we are very fortunately starting to have more and more of an impact on. So yeah, man, we're, we're huge boosters. I mean, look, we're sponsors and I I'm proud of that. And, uh, you know, there's very few things that a startup like ours would, you know, write a check for other than, you know, engineering and product enhancement. (laughs) This is absolutely one of them and will continue to be. 
Awesome, man. Well, it's so great to have your support and great to tap your mind too. I mean, this is one of the great things for us is to be able to continue to sort of brainstorm what the future looks like, help each other out, network, introduce people to each other, um, push push each other along. So I, I totally appreciate the support and can't wait to hear you speak at the conference to check out your avatar and your virtual booth during the online conference in October. And I'm especially excited to see you in person in Santa Monica on the beach at the carousel yes. and at a nearby rooftop bar where we can catch up and have a toast to surviving this fucking pandemic. Um, and so super, super excited to have you. And, and Zach, you know, you've been a great supporter just egging us along all the way. So, so thanks so much. And thanks for joining us again on the, the podcast. You got it, Dimitri. I have a big smile on my face. I'm looking forward to seeing you both online and in person. Awesome. See you soon. We'll be right back with Juan Torres from Prism.fm, giving us an update and a window into what's happening in the live music industry in 2021. You just heard Zach Zalem's take on the streaming side of the music industry. And in just a minute, you'll get insights on the live music industry from Juan Torres of Prism.fm. You can connect with them both at Music Tectonics. Our annual conference is known for bringing together people from across the music tech landscape to share ideas and get business done. In 2021, our hybrid event invites a global audience to participate in parallel universes, in the metaverse, across the planet, and on a carousel by the sea. And I mean that literally. Mix and match to get a conference experience like no other. One ticket gets you access to online events October 25th through October 27th. That's three days online with keynotes, interactive panels, speed networking, instrument demos, exhibitor booths, and chance meetings on two innovative event platforms. The same ticket lets you join in-person networking events in Santa Monica, California on November 2nd. We've chosen real-world spaces outdoors by the sea, way beyond the typical conference hotel. Get your conference ticket at musictectonics.com today. Welcome back to Music Tectonics, where we go beneath the surface of music and tech. In this segment, I have with me Juan Torres, the Vice President of Operations at Prism.fm. How's Austin, Juan? Austin's pretty good right now. Awesome. Well, great to have you back on. So so Prism, just for anyone who doesn't know, Prism.fm is an all-in-one live music management software platform built by and for music industry professionals. You guys uh, include calendar management, generating offers to performers, revenue and expense tracking, and show settlement all within a mobile collaborative framework. Um, and listeners can get the full scoop on Prism in our previous interview with Yuan last September 24th, 2020. But this is our chance to check in with what's been going on on in 2021 a lot has been going on <laughs> it's been a busy year <laughs> yeah uh, a roller coaster too and i think it even last time it was a roller coaster but it, it just yeah. continued the ride continues one being in austin it's it's a live music city hub um you've got venues and promoters as clients all over the nation you're in the center of the conversation around live music and tech plus you're active in collaborating with neva the national independent venue association and other organizations like that so first we have to address the elephant in the room which is the extensive roller coaster ride I refer to of the yeah. COVID nineteen pandemic? How would you describe the moment we're in as it relates to reopening venues and live events? Uh, are concerts back? Are they on hold again, or are they back and adopting uh, new safety precautions like proof of vaccination, masking? What is the status? 
Yeah, that's a, a great question, and it's interesting because it changes depending on where you are in the country, and the sentiment changes uh, depending on where you are in the country. And so, when I think about uh, are we back? Yes, we're back. Concerts are on. Uh, people are going to concerts, and all you need to do is just pull up a local venue's uh, website, and you're going to see that shows are sold out, and it's hard to get tickets to things. So there's a pent up demand for shows. The venues and promoters that we work with and that we're talking to, uh, they were headed into a stretch that they are busier than ever. Um, they are, are moving awesome. fast. Yeah, you know, offers are flying out the door, and September, October, November was going to be the busiest, five shows a week, just rolling through everything. There's a little bit of a scare with Delta as to what to do next. And there was a fear of shutdowns. And I think in our country, at least, it seems like shutdowns is, is no longer an option. Uh, what we are seeing is COVID protocols where people are requiring vaccines, negative tests, a specific kind of test if you're not vaccinated. And of course, in the last week, based you know, from the date of our conversation, the Pfizer vaccine is now FDA approved. So that's giving people a lot of confidence to go out and get vaccinated, enjoy live music shows, and venues are doing a pretty good job of staying clean, keeping people healthy. Um, I think Lollapalooza a couple of weeks ago was really sort of the first big test in the US. I was there for, for a day and I got to tell you, uh, it was weird for the first couple of minutes and then it was just so electrifying to be in a crowd and all the scientists say it wasn't a super spreader event. So I think if we mitigate risks, we can get back to enjoying live music again. Wow. So when you say it was weird, just because it's been so long since you've been in that big of a crowd? Yeah. I mean, we were, when pandemic shutdown happened, we were uh, a couple days away from South by Southwest. So we were really sort of mentally prepping for not just a conference, but you know, thousands of people being around you at all times. And we went into lockdown and seclusion. So it had been February to August. Is that right? Yeah. So you know, 18 months without being in a crowd like that. And you walk into Lollapalooza at Grant Park in Chicago, and it was amazing. It was full. I mean, the biggest crowd I've been in in well over two or three years. What, what about this Garth Brooks uh, cancellation of the tour? How does that fit into the mix? I mean, I, I guess what my assumption is maybe it depends on the audience. <laughs> that, that particular audience might not be as vaccinated. I, I don't know. <laughs> I think there are different artists and different tours that are trying to mitigate risks as well based off of what they think is the right thing to do. Um, there are some international artists that have also canceled or, or pushed back shows. Um, I, you know, I don't know why Garth made the decision, but I would think that the crowd uh, being able to attend safely is probably part of it. He probably doesn't want to put that on his patrons, but the venues are going to force their hand. And so there's this cat and mouse game of who gets to control the mitigation risk. And a lot of times right now it's the venue. Um, if the venue has the stricter policy than what the artist wants, we're seeing that artists are saying, well, we're not going to play right now uh, or we're going to cancel. But I've also seen situations where the venue's policy is more laxed than what the artist wants and the artist gets to tighten it up for the show. 
Oh, cool. Well, I'm glad to hear your initial kind of overview that things things are looking pretty pretty positive and 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 people are busy in the live music industry because that was a that was a tough economic hit. It was a tough creative hit, and it was a tough experiential hit, cultural hit yeah. for for all of us. Um, so that's great to hear. What about um on live streaming? What's the latest there? Is that sustaining? I mean, that really took off during the pandemic. I'm curious if you think we'll see hybrids of IRL and live streaming, or is or was it just a stopgap measure that is not going to be as strong? Yeah, if you would have asked me, and I don't forget, I forget if you did, but if you would have asked me last year, I would say this is just going to be uh, something for the pandemic, and it'll be gone when shows are back in person. Uh, however, we're working with a couple of live stream companies right now, and what we're seeing is that people still want that live stream feel. Um, someone who's a big fan of an artist, they bought tickets to the show in Austin, but they want to see the stream in Minneapolis. They want to see it coming down. I-35 in, in Oklahoma, and they want to get a feel for the set list that their favorite artist is performing before they come into town. So some live stream companies are making deals directly with artists. Some of them are going through the venue, but I think there's a hybrid uh, model that's here to stay. And, you know, honestly, as a parent with three little kids that doesn't get to go as many shows as I want to, I've become a fan of the live stream model and being able to see some of the artists that I love time and time again. So it's here to stay. That's 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 good news because a lot has been invested there, and also I, I yeah. like this issue of access. You know, there's so many reasons why you might not be able to catch a show, whether it's geographic, you might live in a, a less urban zone where people aren't touring, or you might have kids or different abilities or age or parenting or you know so many different things there. So that'll be that'll be cool to see, and and it it means it almost like creates a whole new other format and new access, maybe new revenue streams as well. It does. Yeah, yeah. Cool. So as our other host on Music Tectonics, Tristra likes to say, let's get sci-fi now. When you imagine an ideal near future music industry, what are you seeing? Uh, that's a great question. I think in the near future, uh, what we've seen is a lot of the changes that venues, artists, uh, us at Prism have made throughout the pandemic uh, after the initial shock wore off was to figure out a way to tear everything down and come back smarter, come back more efficient, uh, come back safer. You know, a lot of venues actually use the time to explore Prism and other tech that can really help them come out of this thing being more efficient. And so I, I see that as a big part of the industry reopening. Everything's gonna be more efficient. The line outside is gonna be more efficient. The tech you see at the door is gonna be more efficient as well as the venue. Um, the other part that is happening now, uh, as it relates to the world that we're in every day is independent venues are more in communication with each other than they ever have been. And so these silos of music venues that, you know, didn't know what the town or city or state next door to them were doing. Now they're all sharing information. So that's, that can only be better for the industry because now everybody knows what the standard is. Standards could be raised across the board, um, and it gives them a better opportunity to compete with some of the really big players in the space that you know pump everything out of one or two offices. 
That's that's super cool. Yeah, I mean, it's it's challenging to run an independent venue. I mean, anything that you have to scale in real life, um, and and you physically are smaller already, <laughs> makes it challenging. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that that's a really interesting point, and and it's just a larger trend that we've been seeing at Music Tectonics is just the acceleration of technology during the pandemic. Um, you know, we're hearing people come on the podcast and talk about it. Three to five years worth of technology got crammed into one year in terms of adoption or mm-hmm. or, or development for that matter. So. Um, um, cool to see that it's going to help independence. Are there any other trends or companies, specific companies emerging in the live space or even music tech that you'd like to shout out for their innovation? I love I love hearing from your seat in your position is is uh, really interesting. Uh, what- yeah, I I think the live stream companies have has been something that uh, we followed closely. Uh, what are we in? So August this time last year, there might have been thirty companies springing up to do live streaming for venues and promoters. There are, you know, three or four key ones that remain now. And one of the most recent ones to announce is one of the ones that I think is doing something really interesting. Um, you know, you've got Mandolin. They're, they're doing something pretty cool. You've got Veeps, which is also doing some really cool stuff. And there's another company called Fly Machine, which, you know, they're creating crowds within a live stream. And so, you know, Jack Daniels can have a Jack Daniels room where there's a full experience remotely. For your show and so it goes beyond just feeling like you're in your living room you're actually with the crowd you're with a group of people uh, new friends so to speak that you can now share this experience with um, i'm interested to see how this continues to develop because uh, there's a lot of opportunity in live music i used to say it was a, a low-tech community outside of the the soundboard and the lights and ticketing but now there's tech popping up all over yeah, that I've tested out Fly Machine. I really like the um, the social aspect of the attendee. Um, mm-hmm. is is super cool. It feels like you can go to concerts with friends or or meet meet people, meet up with people, or meet people there, um, which yeah. is kind of different than my experience of watching a, a Twitch where the chat is moving so quickly that yeah. I don't even know what they're saying. You know, <laughs> <So> <laughs> yeah. you got to have your emojis ready there. <laughs> yeah, and then Mandolin's really leaned into the kind of a venue friendly. Uh, kind of an industry-friendly model by um, kind of v- recognizing where the value contribution is to venues and promoters and agents and managers. There's kind of like a role for everybody. The geofencing aspect, I think, is uh, yeah. uh, h- helpful to them, which me- which helps, I guess, reconfirm uh, promoters as curators having an existing community of attendees that they can kind of bring into a live stream, which is kind of cool. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. They all have uh, a slightly different model uh, that they're going to market. And it does appear that there's going to be space for all of them to sort of coincide um, and maybe even work together in some aspects. Super cool to see. Uh, hey, this has been great. Juan, it's it's super fun to have your perspective. Like I said, you sit in such a unique position uh, of the industry, uh, get to see the tech side, get to see the venue, artist, manager, promoter side, and the live streaming side. So it's super cool. As we wrap up our speed round here, what are you hoping to get out of the Music Tectonics Conference this year? Yeah, I'm hoping to make another great, you know, handful of connections. Last year, the conference, um, it was in Deggy World, which uh, if you haven't checked that out, it's pretty awesome. And you might get a taste of it at the conference this year. But that's something I've been obsessed with. Uh, You know, I'm eagerly waiting to get back in there and and see what's new, see what's set up this year. Last year, we sort of tested it out. But uh, I'm really interested to get in there and virtually connect with people uh, make some new connections, some potential partnerships, and really just see what's going on in the whole industry. Um, we also, 
went into the agency world this year. So we, we launched an agency platform that will eventually connect into the promoter venue platform. And so there's a whole new world of conversations and connections that I'm looking to open up. Awesome. Juan, well, thanks so much for, for being an active participant, s- supporting the conference. And definitely, we are having a good portion of the conference in Deggy World. So we'll see your avatar rocking out at the prism.fm booth in our metaverse-like Expo Hall. We didn't use the Expo Hall last year. It's going to be super cool. It's going to feel more like reality. And with the variants emerging, we just wanted to have the right balance between in-person, online. We're getting worldwide participation, which is pretty cool. And the, the best thing, we'll be catching up with you in person at the Santa Monica Carousel that we're renting as well. So looking forward to seeing you online in the metaverse and by the ocean. Thanks, Juan. Thanks. Great to catch up. Thanks for listening to Music Tectonics. If you like what you hear, please subscribe on your favorite podcast app. We have new episodes for you every week. Did you know? You can dig deeper into all our episodes with the show notes at musictectonics.com. While you're there, look for the latest about our annual conference, sign up for our newsletter to get updates, or get the Music Tectonics app for music tech news. Everything we do explores seismic shifts that shake up music and technology the way the Earth's tectonic plates cause quakes and make mountains. Connect with Music Tectonics on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And find me, Dimitri Vitsa, if you can spell it, on LinkedIn. Bye-bye. You're listening to Music Tectonics.